The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including our own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, our show today is about bankruptcy, but... Lloyd, I have to tell you, I'm very excited about our guest because this guest is a wonderful woman lawyer who I met many years ago before she even got married, and now she's got two wonderful kids, the oldest seven years old. And so we're going to be speaking with Sylvia Antelis Goldsmith. I knew her first when she was Sylvia Antelis. She's wonderful. And actually, I referred her a client that I'd been helping, an identity theft victim, and he was from Ohio. And so I was um, so thrilled to be able to refer her this case that she did a fabulous bang-up job and really helped this poor client who was a, a victim of unintentional identity theft that really ruined his life for quite a long time in which his name and identity was mixed up with that of a person who killed his girlfriend. So it was a, a pretty exciting time, and Sylvia was just uh, an angel in disguise for my client, and she, uh, she did a great job for him, and he was very appreciative, too. So let me tell you a little bit about this wonderful angel in disguise lawyer. Sylvia Goldsmith is the founder of the law offices of Sylvia A. Goldsmith, and she is living in Ohio and practicing in Ohio, and I should just tell you right now that her website is Protect. OhioConsumers.com. Sylvia practices um, mostly in the area of consumer protection, primarily involving civil litigation under a variety of state and federal laws, including the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, the Truth in Lending Act, and the Ohio Consumer Sales Practices Act. She's licensed to practice in all courts in the state of Ohio, as well as the federal courts of the Northern and Southern District of Ohio, the Eastern District of Texas, the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit, and the U.S. Supreme Court. Sylvia is a leading advocate on consumer credit reporting issues, and in fact, in 2000, she was one of of only nine consumer lawyers nationwide to be attending President Clinton's Summit on Identity Theft in Washington, D.C., and she testified before the Federal Trade Commission and the Social Security Administration, and that's where I got to see her again. And also she uh, was in front of the Office of the Inspector General on identity theft. And she's routinely invited to lecture to groups 
such as the National Association of Consumer Advocates, the National Consumer Law Center, and so many more. And she has published numerous articles in consumer credit reporting ish- on consumer credit reporting issues, including an introduction to the Fair Credit Reporting Act and identity theft. Are you protecting yourself from this growing crime? She's done so much more, but I just wanted to let you know that she is fabulous. And again, you can find out more about her at our website at KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy, where we have her photo and her bio and also her URL. And she is terrific. So thank you so much, Sylvia. It's so wonderful to be able to talk to you. It's been a while. Thank you for having me, Mari. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. Well, I think you are terrific, and and I, anytime I get a client from Ohio, you are the first person that comes to my mind. So let's talk a little bit about credit reports and and bankruptcy. I, you know, this is a a terrible economic time, and we're finding a lot of people are filing bankruptcy. I have two clients right now that are filing bankruptcy, and I'm not even a bankruptcy a lawyer. They are, they're working with bankruptcy lawyers, and they're working with me on other issues. So this is a, a really huge issue. So um, isn't, you know, people are going to say, well, Sylvia, so if I'm filing bankruptcy, what is there here? You know, isn't credit already ruined? What do I need to know about these credit reports? Why should they matter? Well, I think lots of people, like you've said, people do think that if you filed for bankruptcy that you've destroyed your credit, um, you have no hope of getting credit anytime soon, and they just push it to the, to the wayside. Um, the problem is, is that when you're seeking bankruptcy protection, you're actually improving your credit ability because you've discharged the debts that you've had. So your amount of available income is no longer tied up with existing obligations. Now, don't get me wrong. Obviously, if you file bankruptcy, your credit score is going to take a significant hit. Um, however, before you file bankruptcy, your credit report is all, you know, already very close to the bottom of the barrel. When you have multiple debts being reported with significant delinquencies, 90-day um, late, 120-day late, if you have collection judgments that have been taken against you, you have multiple accounts that are being pursued by debt collectors, your credit score is is quite low as it is. After bankruptcy, the consumer should be showing a credit report that, yes, you filed bankruptcy, that's going to to hit your credit score. The the benefit, though, is that the other things on your credit report that have now been discharged in the bankruptcy should be wiped out. And a lot of lenders are going to say, you know what, this person is actually a good credit risk. Because, you know, in today's society, we have a lot of people that think, oh, if you file bankruptcy, you're a bad consumer. But I have yet to meet a client that doesn't agonize over the decision to file bankruptcy. You know, it's not something that 99.9% of people take lightly. And most people that have gone through the very painful process of filing bankruptcy and now are alleviated of the debt and can start building that fresh financial start, they actually take their financial responsibility more serious than a lot of people. And so you do have an existing credit arena that targets that group to say, these people now have the money to be lending money to, and they, they want to give them credit and help them reestablish their credit rating. All of that 
will only happen, however, if their credit report is accurately reflecting the bankruptcy and accurately reflecting that the individual accounts that were discharged in the bankruptcy are no longer in existence. Right. So, so how is the bankruptcy supposed to be reported on a consumer's credit report, and how can they make sure that that's being done? Okay. Well, there's, there's two issues involved there. When you file bankruptcy, that's actually a federal court proceeding, you, whether you file a Chapter 7 or a Chapter 13. Um, you file that in, in federal court. The, whichever chapter you file is going to determine how long the bankruptcy is in existence. But once you have that discharge, that bankruptcy filing and that discharge is going to be reported on the public records section of the credit report. That's the section that's going to show things like judgments taken against the consumer, et cetera. That filing can stay on the credit report for 10 years. And as I mentioned, that's certainly going to negatively impact the consumer's credit score. Uh, for some lenders, that's going to be an absolute deal breaker, the fact that your credit score is below a certain point or that you have a, a public record bankruptcy showing on your credit report. They, they won't even consider you as an applicant. Um, but other creditors are going to look at how long it's been since the public record bankruptcy is showing. So a lot of subprime lenders, 18 to 24 months after you have gotten your discharge in bankruptcy, your credit report starts coming back up, and you can get credit on decent terms. Now that's, like I said, the filing itself is going to appear in the public record section. That filing can stay there for 10 years. But in addition to that, you've got to keep in mind that all of those individual accounts that were discharged in the bankruptcy, they were there before you filed bankruptcy. Well, they're still there now, okay, right. after the bankruptcy. So what is supposed to happen is each one of those individual accounts in the credit reporting world, we call those trade lines. Each trade line is supposed to be reported with a notation that the account was included in or discharged in bankruptcy. You'll, you'll see one of the two notations, depending on which credit bureau is, is producing the credit report. But it may say discharged in bankruptcy. It may say included in bankruptcy. And the balance on the account should say zero. Now, the benefit of this is sort of a double jeopardy situation. Your credit score is already taking a hit because of that public record section that's going to say you filed bankruptcy. So what they want to do is remove the individual trade lines from the credit scoring criteria, so to speak, or the credit scoring model, all right? So it'll pick up the public record and ding you appropriately for how long it's been since you filed bankruptcy, but you don't want those individual accounts to negatively impact the credit score as well. So they should say discharged or included in bankruptcy with a zero balance following that so that it's clear from the report that as of the date of that filing, all of those accounts were discharged and you're getting your fresh start. If they don't show discharged or included in bankruptcy, if they don't show a zero balance, then it looks even worse for your credit because it looks like you filed for bankruptcy and then you went ahead and incurred a lot more debt, got into trouble again. That's the worst-case scenario for someone trying to get credit. You know, Sylvia, sometimes it can be really crazy because the original debt gets reported to the credit bureaus, and then the collection debts also get reported. So that's really confusing. I have one client who has like 50, you know, from, from she, her, her whole business went out, you know, went under, and there are 50 or 60 or 70, and then there's all these collection accounts. So 
How do you deal with that when there's collection accounts as well as the original account? Well, let's start with the basic understanding that credit reports are ridiculously confusing right. to most people, okay? Right. You know, you, you mentioned us. in your introduction <laughs> that you and I have known each other for, gosh, probably going on 15 years now. I look at credit reports, and I read them every day. They're very commonplace to me. In dealing with more and more clients, I realize it's next to impossible for people to understand what's going on there, all right? Right, right. Okay, so when you're talking about individual accounts, these are these trade lines that I mentioned. In theory... Okay, the existence of an original account and then subsequent collection accounts, and I have to say collection accounts with a plural, yes. because a lot of these debt collectors, they collect on it for a while and report it, and then they sell it to someone else, and then another debt collector is reporting it and trying to collect on it and so on. In theory, each time an account is transferred from one creditor to another, whether that's the original creditor or a subsequent debt buyer down the road. Each time it's transferred, it's supposed to be reported as such. People will often see um, sold to another lender or something of the such on the trade line. Okay, right. mm-hmm. And that's the way the bankruptcy is supposed to work, too. When the individual accounts discharged in bankruptcy are reported with the included in bankruptcy notation and the zero balance, it removes them from the credit scoring model. And when I say that... These credit scoring models are even more complicated yes. than, than the credit reports themselves. But it, you can imagine you input a bunch of criteria, they do their fancy little work, and they spit out a number. Well, the, the notations, such as included in bankruptcy or sold to another lender, are in theory supposed to make sure that that particular account is not input when the credit score is being generated. So that only, so it, again, and I have to keep saying in theory because I can tell you this is a problem with each of the bureaus. I have clients that have struggles with this all of the time. But in theory, if you have a Citibank account that was sold to asset acceptance and then it was sold to portfolio recovery, just the portfolio recovery account is the one that should be included in the credit score. That doesn't mean all three won't show on the credit report. But the credit report should clearly indicate the Citibank account has been closed. Right. Then the asset acceptance account has been closed, and portfolio recovery is the only one that's holding it. Now, I can tell you, each of the bureaus handle this differently, and I I have complaints with some more than others, but they should not only show that it has been closed and sold to another lender, it should reference the original account. Because, for instance, when you have an identity theft situation or you have a mixed file situation, which I don't know if your listeners are familiar with that. As, well, we'll as talk about as, that in a minute. Yeah. yeah, as much as you and I are. <laughs> but when you have people that are disputing information in their credit reports, it, it's, it's like a labyrinth that you can't possibly get out of if you don't know what that particular collection account relates to. And let's say you're a victim of identity theft and you've disputed the existence of the Citibank account. You shouldn't then suffer the consequences when asset acceptance is dinging your credit report. Exactly. The credit bureau should be able to link the two together and truncate that information and then down the road, down the road, and down the road. Unfortunately, I don't think that they do an adequate job in that regard. Right. And if you're a victim of identity theft, they should remove that trade line altogether as well as the collection account. So. Some- 
sometimes that can be even trickier, though, because yeah. if, they amo- if they remove the original trade line, and we're getting into some complicated stuff right, here, right, right. Um, but if they remove the original trade line, then they've removed their ability to track it as it gets sold to other lenders down the road. Right, right. So that's a really tricky, tricky situation there. Yes. We are speaking with a wonderful attorney who does a lot of work with the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and, and she's also talking today about how bankruptcy affects your credit reports and what you need to do and how you need to be very vigilant about this. And we're talking with Sylvia Antelis Goldsmith, who's the founder of the law offices of Sylvia A. Goldsmith. And also you can go to her website and see all of the wonderful things about her and the great work that she does at protectohioconsumers.com. So let's talk, just kind of go step backward a minute. What is there any difference between Chapter 7 and Chapter 13 uh, on the credit reports? What what exactly happens? Is there some big difference with regard to the credit reports? Um, I, I would say generally no, as long as you're talking about post-discharge credit reporting. Now, they probably don't know what that means. A, a Chapter 7 bankruptcy is what some people call a no-asset bankruptcy, um, or other times they refer to it as, um, a complete liquidation, okay? Chapter 7 is when you really don't own a lot because you lose everything that you have. You, you typically, in most states you can keep your house, you might be able to keep a car, but generally speaking, if you have any assets, you're going to have to relinquish them to pay whatever debts you have, and then everything is discharged. But start to finish, a Chapter 7 bankruptcy is only going to take about 90 days. Okay, yeah. so from the date you file to the date that everything is discharged, and that is an order by a federal court saying you no longer own or are gone. No one can come after you. No one can collect on them. They are gone. Okay, but from from the day after that order is entered, that's what I'm talking about. Post discharge credit reporting. Okay, that is going to be what I'm talking about. Is that you should have trade lines at every single account that was included in that bankruptcy should be notated as such with a zero balance. Now, a Chapter 13 is often considered a repayment plan, okay? That's where the federal court is going to essentially do what some of these debt relief operations purport to do. And I am not a fan of debt relief operations. I think largely they are scam operations where you're paying some of your hard-earned money um, to have someone try to negotiate deals that you can often negotiate yourself. But that's for another conversation. Right, right. (laughs) But in a Chapter 13, you pay a certain dollar amount per month to the trustee in bankruptcy who then has all of your creditors um, on a list, and they each get a portion, and and you then repay your debts within a three- to five-year period of time, period of time. From the day you file, most of your trade lines should be reported as we're talking about. The Chapter 13 is more complicated because, yes, as of the date you file, it's still going to show in the public records section of your credit report. But then there becomes a little gray area of how the individual accounts should be shown because they can't necessarily be shown with a zero balance. That's what I was going to ask you, yeah, because if you're going to repay that to a certain extent, then it really isn't going to be a zero balance, right? Right. It's not entirely wiped out. So typically they will still say included in bankruptcy, or they may say something like included in Chapter 13 prepayment or or payment plan or something along those lines. Right, right. So from a post 
discharge credit reporting standpoint, there's no difference between the 7 and the 13 because once that discharge order is entered, whether it's in the 7 or the 13, they should have a zero balance and say discharged or included in bankruptcy. And they can no longer be negatively impacting your credit score because the bankruptcy filing itself is doing that. Okay? Now, during the Chapter 13 plan, though, the notation of included in bankruptcy should be sufficient so that that information is not input and be a double whammy for your credit score because it's still going to be showing in the public record section. But that is certainly a gray area as to as to what it's supposed to look like because they can certainly show a, a balance because a balance is continued to be owed. Right. It may not be the original balance. It's a different balance or? or? Well, it continues to be an open account where in bankruptcy you're dealing with accounts that have been closed and discharged because of bankruptcy. Right, right. Which actually raises another issue because, you know, an, another thing that when people talk about credit reporting, they sometimes forget that accessing people's credit reports, what we in this industry call inquiries, are intimately related with the credit reporting world as well. That companies pay money to your three main credit bureaus, which are Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. They pay money to pull your credit report. Now, this really gets into your area, Mari, with the privacy issue is that, you know, people aren't allowed to access your information unless they have a clearly defined legal purpose to do so. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have an account with Sears, Sears is allowed to pull your credit report periodically. It's called an account review. It does not negatively impact your credit score because it's what we call a soft inquiry, but they are allowed to look at it periodically to make sure that you're continuing to meet your obligations. When you're dealing with a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, though, and those accounts have been discharged in bankruptcy, you no longer have any credit relationship with Sears, and you no longer owe any money to Sears. So Sears has no business pulling your credit report. And I can tell you from experience that they do. (laughs) Well, and I don't want to pick on Sears in particular, but, but a lot of major um, credit card companies and major lenders do pulls on what we call a batch basis. That Sears, for instance, might request an account review once every three months on every single person in its credit card portfolio. Okay, and they're not necessarily, and again, I don't mean to be picking on Sears because I don't have specific experience with them, but they may not be the best at making sure the people that were discharged in bankruptcy are removed from that batch pool. Now, if you have accounts that have been discharged in bankruptcy, unless you have requested credit from that company subsequent to your discharge, if they have pulled your credit report, that's an invasion of your privacy, and I think that's a violation of law. You should speak to someone who knows what they're doing and see what your recourse is about that. Exactly. Now, let's go back to if, if they have a bankruptcy and the accounts are not reported with a zero balance and they don't state that they were included in the bankruptcy, what should happen? Well, that's a tricky one. Okay, because I think there's a, there's a couple things. Let, let's go back a little bit. When I talk to people that I know, because as a, as a disclaimer here, I don't do bankruptcy law. My expertise is credit reporting and debt collection. I, I don't file bankruptcy for people. I don't purport to give advice on how someone should choose if they should file bankruptcy or what bankruptcy they should file. Okay, So the people that I deal with come to me after they've 
filed bankruptcy and somehow their credit report is messed up because of it, okay? The first thing I tell them to do is you need to get copies of your credit report, okay? And again, there's three different national credit bureaus. I've learned from experience that a lot of people tend to think if you get your TransUnion credit report and you request updates of false information in your TransUnion credit report, then your other two credit reports are going to be fine. That's not the case. These are three completely different entities. They have different sets of procedures, different sets of algorithms to determine what goes in and what doesn't go into credit reports. So you really have to pull all three of your credit reports. There's TransUnion, there's Equifax, and there's Experian. And and, and I think it's important for people to realize that they are competitors. And some some companies will report to all three, like the big ones, like Amex and Citibank. But some of the small lenders might only report to one. Absolutely. And more importantly, which we just talked about the inquiries, most companies don't pull credit reports from all three. Yeah, it's expensive for them. Right. Your Sears, your American Express, are absolutely going to report information about you to all three of those. But when they go to make a credit decision or if they go to do an account review, they're only going to pull from one, okay? Now, the thing I remind people, and I'm sure that, that you remind your listeners a lot too, is that you can get one free credit report. This is a federal law. You can get one free credit report once every 12 months. From, from all of, three, yeah, from all yeah, three. from each of the bureaus. Now, the problem is, is that we've all heard the, the snappy little freecreditreport.com, you know, commercials with their, with their tunes and things like that. That's not where you go. Right. There's a website that's www.annualcreditreport.com. That is the site that is sanctioned to handle requests for all three bureaus. So I tell people, you go to www.annualcreditreport.com, But I I have a caveat here. I strongly urge my clients not to request their credit reports online. Now, Mari, as a privacy guru, I'm sure you have privacy issues. Mine is strictly from a a litigation standpoint. If you request your credit reports online in that fine little print of those terms and conditions that you have to agree to to do so, a lot of times they try to slip in what we call an arbitration clause. And what, what most consumers are unaware of, an arbitration clause is an agreement that you're making to not go to court if they violate the law against you. Right. So you're okay. giving up all these wonderful rights under the Fair Credit Reporting Act in many ways. Absolutely. Okay. Now, you can now still let, go let, to let's, our... I just want to stop and, and, and reiterate what you just said, because it's very important what, what Sylvia just said, because... Many people decide that they're going to get credit monitoring. And if you get credit monitoring with any of the three credit bureaus, Experian, TransUnion, Equifax, the uh, the policy that you sign, okay, or that you agree to, absolutely you give up your rights under, you know, uh, under FCRA to, and you, re, you know, you're required to arbitrate. So if you want to get credit monitoring, do not get credit monitoring with the three credit bureaus. Well, and, and the other thing about the credit monitoring, we're getting a little afield from the bankruptcy issue. Credit monitoring irks me because you're basically paying the bureaus, because don't be confused, all of those monitoring systems are owned in one way or another by one of the big three. Right. People um, buy from them, for sure. Right. And you're paying them to do what they're already legally obligated to do. Right. So right. it's a waste of your money. Okay. Right. 
But so clearly, what I suggest to my clients is go to www.annualcreditreport.com. There's a, a place you can click that says download a form. You can print out a form and you can request your credit report from each of the three. You mail it in. And when you mail it in, you're not agreeing to arbitrate and you still get your credit report in approximately 10 to 15 days. And, okay? Yep. So step one is requesting the report. Step two is sitting down and carefully reviewing those reports. Now, from a bankruptcy standpoint, you want to make sure that the bankruptcy is being reported correctly. And when I say correctly, make sure the dates are right. You know, this stuff, the, the time's going to start ticking from the date it was, was filed for 10 years. You want to make sure that they don't have the year wrong or some, some weird thing like that. So you want to look at that. You want to look at the individual trade lines to make sure that they say, you know, discharged or included in bankruptcy with a zero balance, you want to look at the inquiry section. Now, inquiry sections are very confusing because you've got some are inquiries that other people see, some aren't, and, and, some, and, are, Sylvia, and some are promotional. Right. And, you know, and people get confused because they're not going to recognize the promotional ones. I'll tell you, just don't even worry about those. Right. But you know what? We are just about out of time, so I think we'll just finish that the inquiries that say that section says these companies got your credit report for the purpose of issuing your credit those are the ones you have to worry about right and well also the account reviews are very very important but if there's anything that's a mistake in your credit report you need to dispute it because you're the watch guard of your own credit report and if you're trying to get that fresh financial start it's up to you to protect your own rights and rebuild the best credits you can rebuild. Thank you so much, Sylvia. We're sending people to look at protectohioconsumers.com. You are wonderful as usual. We're going to have you back again to talk about more of these really important issues. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Minervine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m., right here on KUCI, and also visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.